I am super excited to start this uh, new series. Uh, it was, I don't know, it might have been eight, nine months ago uh, that we surveyed the community and uh, got some responses back, about 55 responses, asking them two questions. Why do you think God's a bunch of crap and why do you hate the church? And they responded. And uh, we're very blunt, and so we turn it into seven, a seven-week series. And so with that, uh, we want to we tackle these things head, head on. And, uh, and so just as, I guess, more of like a public service announcement, as we tackle it head on, we're going to be handling this type of experience uh, as like an adult experience. And so we might say some things, uh, talk about some things that might lead to explanations on the car ride home. Uh, and so, just again, wanting to be upfront uh, with that. So we're going to start with the subject of hypocrisy, because that, by and large, was the number one, like not even a close second. Like it was the number one answer. I hate the church because of hypocrisy. And if we are honestly from New Jersey, uh, we also hate hypocrisy for many reasons. Now, you're not going to admit it publicly, at least I wouldn't, uh, that you've binge-watched a TV show kind of like this. I have so much fun shopping with Teresa because she clearly has no limits. Farmware is five grand, dresser six grand, bed is four, so we're probably looking at around 21 grand. Oh, we're taking this. is his set. Too many zeros. <laughs> I hear the economy's crashing, so that's why I pay cash. 120, 360, 120,360. And that's how many rooms? Only one. I want to file off my chair. Okay. Ben, or whatever. She went to jail uh, for uh, money laundering, like fraud, things of that nature. Uh, so that's a little hypocritical as she's making it rain uh, Benjamins. And uh, if we're honest, that's not a lifestyle many of us can uh, relate to. Uh, and so when, when asked by friends from outside of New Jersey, is that really what New Jersey is like? Is that really what happens up in New Jersey? The answer is not really. It's a little different than that. And, uh, and we experienced this a few years ago in our backyard. Uh, Snooky. Okay, well, we, I mean, you've binge-watched Jersey Shore at some point, I'm sure. And, and people would ask, like, Jason, that's in your backyard. You actually live on the coast. Is that really what the Jersey Shore is like with the gym and the tanning and the laundry and all that? And I'm like, no! Like, Jersey, it's nothing like that. We are nice, hard, we are honest people. And, uh, and, but it's, it's that type of hypocrisy that would, that would show somebody, oh, that, that, that's what, what it's all like. And so if you're from Florida or will be heading Florida after the weekend we've had, uh, Florida Bama Mama, Bama Mama, whatever that new TV show is, the Florida's getting it too. They have a new Jersey Shore TV show. When we think about hypocrisy, yes, as New Jerseyans we hate it. As Christians we should hate it too. It should break our hearts that people hate the name of God for no other reason than how they've seen other people act. Jesus joins with our unbelieving friends in hating hypocrisy. He agrees with them. He said in Matthew 23, he said, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. 
So do you observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear. They lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and, and they love the place of honor at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, and the greetings in the marketplace, and being called rabbi by others. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And he goes on for another like 20, 30 verses in the book of Matthew 23, saying, woe to you, disgusting. You're a Pharisee, you're a religious leader. For them, they, they would have memorized the whole Old Testament or, or the, a majority of the, of the Old Testament, pages and pages and pages of Scripture. They would have memorized it. They would have known it. They would have been teaching it. But they're living a completely different life. And Jesus, the Son of God, looks at it and says, disgusting. Today we want to talk about a scene where, where he's handling these people face on. He's, he's dealing with them. And then a situation de- soaked in hypocrisy is brought right to him. So if you have a Bible, it's John chapter 8, or you can look it up in, in the app, John 8. Jesus is, is teaching in a temple, kind of like this, although not a comedy club. He's, he's teaching in, in a temple. He's, he's, people are coming to him. Crowds are coming to him. He's not doing anything crazy. He's just talking, and, and they're coming, and they're listening. But these hypocrites leave. They don't care to hear what Jesus has to say because that's typically what a hypocritical person will do. They, they don't really care to hear what Jesus has to say. They want to go and do their own actions. So, these, so Jesus is teaching. The Pharisees, the scribes, they skip out on the lesson. And it says that they find a woman caught in the act of adultery. And they bring her before Jesus. Where's the dude? They caught her in the act. How'd they do that? Did they just so happen to roll up on the scene? (laughs) It takes two to commit adultery. The law of Moses says that both of them are deserving of death. But they bring the woman. Why? Because in the next verse, it's going, they they bring her and and they, they lay her in front of Jesus and and, and they say, well, the law of Moses tells us to, to kill such a woman. And then John says that it's because they're laying a trap for Jesus. They're trying to get Jesus to, to, to fall into a situation that he can't get out of. So they're using her as a pawn. They don't give a rip about adultery. They don't give a rip about the dude, her. She is just a pawn. Because if Jesus says we're not going to kill her today, then he doesn't care about the law of Moses. And he's teaching to a bunch of Jews in the temple. And if he's going to go that far and to say that, then, then he's going to have a situation on his hand to, to degrade the law of Moses. That would, that would be very, very bad among his Jewish friends. But if he says, okay, yep, this is good news. Let everybody pick up a stone. We're going to have a little party. We're going to bash her in. Well, then he never went in asked Rome for approval, and so he would then be a villain, according to Rome. 
because Rome would have to approve that. So what does he do? It's a pretty good trap until Jesus takes his next move. Is he going to say that adultery is a serious thing? It's a seventh, it's a seventh commandment. Or is he going to ignore it? And so he, he stoops down. And he just plays with dirt. <laughs> he just starts writing in the dirt. We don't know what he's writing. He just is writing in the dirt. <laughs> Isn't that what you would do? <laughs> and he's sitting there and he's writing. And, and, and the text says that they just keep asking. Asking, asking. Jesus, what are you going to do? Jesus, what are we, should we do? Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. They just keep pestering him, and he just keeps writing. <laughs> until, until he stands up. He stands up, and for me, I would take a swing, but for him, Jesus has a different approach. Jesus looks at them and, and, and says, okay, all right. You who are without sin, you who are perfect, throw the first stone. That's all he said. And then he stoops back down and starts riding in the sand some more. And just lets the scene unfold from there. And it, and it says that one by one, starting with the older ones first, that that the, the rocks just began to fall. Not thrown, fall. They just kept dropping their rocks. And they left, the, they left until it was just Jesus and the woman. A group of men, being so hypocritical in their actions, came to condemn this woman and they leave themselves condemned. <laughs> Jesus finds a way... To show mercy, well, not saying that sin isn't important, not saying that punishment isn't deserved. He, he shows her love in his actions. See, that's, that's part of forgiveness, isn't it? Forgiveness isn't saying sin doesn't matter. Sin is very important. Important enough for Jesus to come to earth, live a perfect life, and then die. So when we say we forgive somebody, we're not saying your sin is stupid or your sin isn't, like, we're saying your sin is very important. I'm choosing to forgive you. So Jesus does that for this woman, shows her love. He makes this comment, if you're without sin, throw the first stone, and then nothing else is said. The accusers walk away. Jesus has a way of making a comment and putting the, 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 the ownership on them. He's just pointing out, you're not fit to judge her because you're a hypocrite. And one by one, the rocks fall to the ground. If you're the woman, what's going through your mind? I mean, literally just a few moments before this, you were... You were doing something you shouldn't be doing. They catch you. They probably staged it. They catch you and, and you're in the middle of adultery. Do they give you a towel? Or do they just, are you sitting there in front of all these dudes now naked? The shame she must have felt. The worthlessness 
she must have felt. She's looking around, where's the guy? The guy's nowhere to be found because they didn't care. They live in a society that didn't really treat women that well until Jesus showed up and said, everybody has dignity. And, and she, she's standing there, and I, and I have to wonder, like, is, as Jesus makes that comment, as, as he stoops back down, and, and as he said, okay, rocks could be coming, I, I have to imagine, like, is she, is she stooped down? Is she, is she thinking, oh, my gosh, make it a headshot. Let it end quickly. Or is she, is, she in a, is she in a place of anger? If we had handed her a tablet and said, hey, could you fill out this quick survey? What, what would, she, would, she, would she fill it out like, like some of us? In that moment, as she's face-to-face -face with hypocrites and as she's face-to-face -face with Jesus, would, would she look at the situation and, and one person that responded with just three words, Christians are a-holes. That's why I hate the church. Would she respond much of the same way? Would, would she respond like, like the one that said, Christians only pay attention to aspects of their religion that, that bash and, and discriminate others? They say gay people go to hell, but, but premarital sex and divorce are okay. The entire following contradicts itself. Does God, does God love everyone? Love thy neighbor as thyself? What, what about those? Is, is she looking at the situation and saying, love is mentioned in the, in the Old Testament. Love is mentioned in the scriptures. Where is the love in this? Where is the dude? How, why are they picking on me? This, this, is, this is so unjust. This is so wrong. Would she join with... With the one that, that wrote, most hypocr mostly hypocritical Christians, they, they do work in the name of God all while they are doing the very things that condemn other, they do while, while they condemn others for. They're telling me this is wrong, but they are doing it themselves. Are there hypocrites standing among her ready to throw a stone that they themselves have had affairs? The one that the one that said the hypocritical nature of Christians doing so much damage to the church. Christians choose what they want from, from the teachings of the Bible. Take abortion, for example. Many Christians vote solely on, on that issue. Their pro-life beliefs. However, they, they disavow the hate-filled rhetoric of their candidate. They throw, away the command, they throw around the commandment, love thy neighbor. When convenient. They don't love the neighbors that come from other countries or neighbors that are gay. They're pro-birth, not pro-life. She's thinking that. Pick and choose. Pick and choose. The one, the one that wrote, I think the idea of love others as I have loved you is wonderful. But I find most hardcore Christians do not practice what their faith preaches. I think self-righteous bigots hide behind Christianity, use it as a hammer on everyone else's rights. It's a very hypocritical religion that people pick and choose what they believe. She, she probably could have said that statement verbatim. The hammer is about to be dropped on my head. I'm about to die. How many laws have they broken deserving of death? Or lastly, they're hypocrites. They're against homosexuals, but, but their priests rape young boys and get no ramifications for it. They pick and choose what parts of the Bibles they want to follow. They judge yet are told, God is the only judge. I could go on and on. 
And if I'm honest, if if I if I if I if I'm this if I'm this woman, what what am I going? Like I would have some of those same thoughts, and it and it should it should break our as it breaks her heart, it should break your heart, it should break my heart because they're not wrong. There are people that know Christians. And because they know a Christian, they want nothing to do with it. That should break our heart. I've said this before that I hate Reebok. <laughs> I'll never wear it because there's an association with a bully back when I was in middle school where a bully was making fun of me and yada, 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 and he wore white Reebok shoes. And so I hate Reebok and... Reebok could be a great company, but they're guilty by association. We need to take how we live very seriously. See, it does break my heart when, when last, last uh, a year ago, we, uh, we were helping at that polar plunge in Seaside with like Snooki and Jay, all those people, right? And uh, so we're in Seaside, and we're helping out with the polar plunge. We were giving out hot chocolate, coffee, warm beverages, because it's really cold when you do the polar plunge. And uh, they should have done it this weekend. And, uh, and so we're doing, we're there helping out. Uh, people from the worship team were, were up there and swimming and not wearing a wetsuit. That was silly. And, uh, and so they're, they're there. And then afterwards, we were cleaning up all the garbage on the beach that was left behind. And when I, when I sat there, when I was helping out, and I, I was watching this one scene unfold, I saw a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of, a small group of people, standing on, standing on a box. Have you seen them? Standing on a box with a bullhorn. Yelling out and holding signs, all this right here, like, burn, you're going to burn, turn to Jesus, turn to Jesus, forget, burn, you're going to burn. And, and I watched as people just passed right by, I, I watched as, as, as people took their pamphlets and just threw it, like, that was the number one piece of garbage that we picked up was all the pamphlets that just got thrown to the side. I didn't see a single person stop and be like, yeah, you know what, by golly, you're right. Here, right, I'm going to do the polar plunge to cool off because hell is going to be like, no! No one stopped. Not a single person prayed. I mean, I commend them for putting effort in, but it's the wrong type of effort. I hate their signs. I hate their message that lacks so much love. I loathe, I loathe the people that, that, that stand on the side of the gay parade holding their signs. Why on earth would anybody want to turn to God with such, with such a message? Their message is incomplete because it lacks love. I have this literal rock on my desk because this is a, a concept that I've struggled with. Seven or so years ago, I was, I was part of, of a church that, that had situations happening with marriages with some of their leaders, elders, and, and pastors and whatnot. And I found myself in, in a season where I was throwing a bunch of rocks at these, at these individuals. And I was so convicted that I grabbed, I grabbed a rock one day. I was, I was walking towards my office and just convicted by my behavior that I, I saw this rock and I, and I wrote on it, those without sin throw the first stone. And so it sits on my desk as, as a reminder 
that I could speak all the truth. I was saying maybe the right things to these people, but it lacked love. It lacked grace. It lacked mercy. It lacked an understanding that I used to struggle when I was in high school with, with sexual sin, and now I'm going to attack these individuals without any ounce of love or mercy or understanding or grace. In, like, how can I do that? It wasn't the truth and love. It was just truth without love. It was truth with hatred. And so I kept throwing these stones until I stumbled upon an actual stone and, and was convicted. So this woman, standing or kneeling or whatever, she's there, waiting to hear the whooshing sound of the first stone. And instead of hearing a whooshing sound, Jesus makes that comment, you without sin, you throw the first stone and, and one by one, they just fall. They all fall away. And Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one, has no one condemned you? <laughs> she said, no one, Lord. And she said, then neither do I condemn you. Go and, and, from, and from now on, sin no more. She, she looked at Jesus and, and said, Jesus, I look at you as Lord now. <laughs> Whether that's salvation, I don't know, but... But it's a much different viewpoint of how she's looking at the religious leaders. She never uttered, oh, they must be Lord. No, no, no. She looks at Jesus differently. Because he first showed her love. She found healing at the feet of Jesus where the hypocrites walked away in shame. She came in with, with no dignity at all and she's... Now sitting at the feet of Jesus with all the dignity in the world. It's just her and Jesus. They've gone away in their own shame. Forgiveness is that powerful. <laughs> that it can reach into any situation. Bringing mercy, grace, and dignity. Jesus is the only one qualified to throw a stone in that moment. And he chooses not to. So now she sees him, whether it's at a starting point or whatever, she's starting to see him as Lord. Because that's what Jesus does. He stoops in and he first talks about love. <laughs> he loves us. But then he loves us enough not to leave us where he finds us. He doesn't say, you know what? They, they caught you in the act. Go finish the act. Nope. He reaches in and he says, go and sin no more. Because Jesus called us as a new creation. We're different. He calls us to be different. For some of us, we're living that old life that would bring up that hypocritical nature. Not allowing Jesus to change us. And that's why we value endless growth. Because every day, I'm, I'm, I'm striving to be more and more like Jesus Christ. I'm striving more and more. That, that puts us all on an even planning fair. I'm, you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But I'm striving to be. So that's an important value to keep me from being a hypocrite. I had a moment with this text that, that rocked my world. Uh, check out this scene from a movie, A, a Time to Kill. Can you see her? 
raped, beaten, broken body, soaked in their urine, soaked in their semen, soaked in her blood, left to die. Can you see her? I want you to picture a little girl Now imagine she's white. The defense restaurant. speaks into the disgusting nature of racism. And that's such a powerful scene to be envisioning a scene and then to flip it upside down and say that in our minds we think it's okay if it happens in this regards, but to this people group or to that people group, then, then all of a sudden it becomes okay. That's hypocrisy at its finest, isn't it? And so I had this moment that was kind of like that flip of a switch in, that, in the time to kill where, where I'm reading the passage that, that says that people should, should die. It's Leviticus 20.10. It says, if a man commits adultery with, with the wife of, a, of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress, both of them, so surely be put to death. Three verses later. If a man lies with a male, as with a woman, both of them, have committed an abomination, and they shall surely be put to death. Three verses later, another act of sexual sin with the same penalty. And so many people looked at the church and said, you're hypocrites, and a lot of it was based with homosexuality. And as I thought through this, I, I have to imagine, as I hope I know my Jesus, you have this scene where they bring in a woman caught in adultery, and, and, and Jesus, you know, he's kind of trapped. Jesus, what should we do? He writes in the dirt. He looks at the okay, if you're without sin, you throw the first stone. Writes in the dirt. No one's here to condemn you, no, Lord, then neither do I. And I don't think the scene changes one bit if it was a gay man. I don't think that all of a sudden Jesus is like, well, that's where I draw the line. <laughs> Let me throw the first stone. Jesus is a pretty consistent person. And so I think he really would have acted the exact same way. And I think the rocks would have fallen. I think he would have looked at the person and said, there's no one here to condemn you. And then neither do I. Go and leave your life of sin. 
And for me, that is loving. When it comes to homosexual people, I want to love them so stinking well <laughs> that Westboro Baptist is going to pick at my funeral. Yeah. And, uh, and do me this favor. When you're at my funeral and Westboro Baptist is picketing, uh, give them a cup of coffee and some water and tell them God loves them. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> But I do have to hold to the definition of love, that love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it, is not, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. For me, it's not loving. To say I agree with something, even if I think it's not okay. But we're, we're, we're increasingly growing in this society where love is only, can only be defined if we're in complete agreement. And sometimes that isn't love. But can love happen in other ways? You know what I've never, ever done? When we gave out 60... Thousand diapers, like $12,000 worth of diapers. You know what we did not do? As the cars pulled up, excuse me, who are you going to bed with tonight? That decides if you get a box of diapers. Nope. When we've given out coffee, when we've given out water, when we've given out hot chocolate, when, when we gave away free gas. Okay, tell me, tell me the list of your sins and we'll determine if we're going to love you. Nope. Because you're a human, and we can show you practical love because Jesus has shown us love no matter who you are. We may not agree on everything, but we can always show love. We value an all-inclusive gospel message because it, whatever you call it, it uh, Jesus died for everybody. Whether, we, can, we can disagree on what we call sin, fine. At the end of the day, not one of us would claim to be perfect. And Jesus reaches in and dies for all. And so Jesus is all-inclusive in that nature. He doesn't pick and choose what was worth his death. Everything. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So it starts with love, and then he tells this love story through his son. My hope and prayer today is this, truth helps us ignore hypocrites to focus on love. I hope today that, that yes, you have been hurt by some, and what they have done has been, has been disgusting, but I'm hoping today that we can share the truth of God's word with you, and that you will look past their hypocritical nature and see Jesus. Not that Jesus was in their hypocritical nature, but that, that, that Jesus, his message is still consistent, although that we sometimes are inconsistent. And so my prayer is that, that you would take this challenge of joining, joining the conversation for the, next, for the next seven weeks, that you would join Graham's life group, or you would join another life group, or that you would get into starting point, whatever it is, but that you would at least be willing to have a conversation here more about what we believe in and what the Bible has to say, because sometimes people haven't lived up to it. But the message is still there. So would you continue, would you continue in, in, in at least having you're here, continue the conversation. 
to my, to my Christian friends, my, my church friends, if you will, I'm going to ask that you're a little bit more like this dove bag. This is a bag, dove men care. This is, this is how you and I ought to live. Back, uh, I have three, three kids. I think it was with Reagan, uh, my youngest. Uh, every, when, you're, when you're pregnant, you give your kid a name, and nowadays you also give them a hashtag. Uh, and so my, my daughter had a special hashtag. And uh, as I would share these pictures on Instagram, I would have hashtag baby coash. That was the appropriate hashtag because I, on the back end of being a millennial, despite popular opinion. And, uh, and, uh, and so we, she had a hashtag and whatnot. And, uh, and so I would post pictures of my wife through the pregnancy, the pictures she would allow me to post. And, uh, and so we would, we would do that. And then one day I get this direct message uh, from Dove Men Care. Asking me for my address. I was like, that's creepy. And uh, they asked me for my address, and they didn't have that little blue star that says, like, they were, like, an appropriate, like, they were, like, a, like a, f- a confirmed whatever, whatever. Like, I was like, oh, like you're not going to murder me today. And, uh, and so I asked them a few questions. We went back and forth. I had them, whatever. I forget what questions I asked them, but I got them to authenticate that, that they were really Dove Men Care because they had searched out one of my hashtags. It must have been, like, new dad or I don't know, something. They, they found something, and they, they sent me this message and, uh, and said, we just want to send you a gift as a new dad for when you're in the hospital. I was like, whatever, cool. All right, so we talked, authenticated, and a few days later, I get this bag in the mail. It's a beautiful, like, toiletry bag. It's gore- I've used it for two and a half years now. But what was great was inside was a whole bunch of Dove stuff, Dove deodorant, Dove, like, st- like stuff I don't even use, like facial stuff, and, and like, bot- I do use body wash, but there was body wash in there, and uh, all this stuff, and I took it all out, it was jam-packed, and I, and I was like, there's like $40 worth of stuff in this Dove bag that just because I hashtag something, they're like, here, here's something to help you in the hospital, and you know what's awesome is I used to be an Old Spice guy because the Old Spice commercials are hilarious, and, and now I have never, ever used Old Spice again. I use Dove for everything. I, I, I use their body. If Dove is an option, I use Dove because they showed me incredible kindness. I will never use anybody else. And my prayer for us as Christians is that our kindness would breed that same type of loyalty. That our kindness would make people want what we have to offer. Not make them fill out a survey saying, here's all the reasons. And it starts with hypocrites. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. We're not looking at their, at their specific sins. Even though we once regarded Christ according to their flesh, we regard him no longer. Christians, how, how are we going to view people? Are we going to view them? Therefore, if, if any wasn't in Christ, he's a new creation. Are we looking at their potential? Are we looking at how God wants to come in and, and, and he wants to go and sin no more? He, wa- he doesn't want to leave us where he finds us. He wants us to, to change and to, and to be a new creation. Do we look at them at their potential as a new creation? For the old has passed away and behold, the new has come. All this is from God, though, through Christ reconciled us to himself and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He didn't give us the ministry of picking and choosing what sins or picking and choosing this. He gave us the ministry of offering, offering hope, offering reconciliation to God himself. And that is in Christ Jesus. Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. 
and entrusting to us what? The same message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Here's the message of reconciliation. Be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that we might, in him, we might become the righteousness of God. And so to my Christian friends, that survey, what I read from the survey, and the ones I didn't read that I couldn't read, it should break our heart. So inside of the church, I do care deeply how we're living. Because how we live will turn off the unbelieving world. If I'm going to attack sin anywhere, I'm going to join Jesus in attacking the hypocrites and start with myself, with how I live. Jesus, Jesus took it. He, in Matthew 24, he said, I'll, I'll cut them into pieces and put them, in, put them with the hypocrites. <laughs> he takes it real seriously. <laughs> so how you and I live has to be taken seriously. Paul, Paul, when he's writing, he's talking about prayer, and then he, and then he says, be salt. Be salt. Be, be tasty. Be attractive. Like, bring out the flavor. Matt, Jesus says it in, in Matthew 5. He says, you're the salt. You're, you're the light of the world. Be, be salt. Be light. And, and let them see your good deeds so they do what? Praise your Father in heaven. Don't let them see your judgment. Don't let them see this or that. Like, let them see your good deeds. Let that start the conversation so they may praise your Father in heaven. Leave here committed to being a better ambassador for Jesus Christ. And to my friends that don't know Jesus, don't care to know Jesus, don't want Jesus, that still maybe think it's a bunch of garbage, and perhaps it's because, because somebody has hurt you. Perhaps it's because a Christian acted poorly. I'm sorry, and I hate it. I honestly loathe it. I think Jesus is pretty stinking awesome. And I'm thankful he's reached in and changed my life. And it breaks my heart that someone acted in a way that um, would make you think otherwise about him. And so I'm asking that you would extend grace. Not throw out a whole faith because of a few bad people. We do that as a society, don't we? we? There's a few bad white people. Are all white people bad? Or a few bad black people. Are all black people bad? A few bad Hispanic people. No, that's stupid. That's racism. To associate a whole genre, a, gen, a, people, a whole group of people by a few, that's racism and that's hypocrisy and that's stupid. guy that heads up our security here, he's a cop. He's a great man. There's a few bad cops, legitimately bad cops, but are all cops bad? There's a few bad, racist, rich, white Republicans. <laughs> hmm. But not all of them are bad. <laughs> we have to be careful with that. So I'm asking that you would extend grace to hear, hear a message. Here's, here's the message. I'm, I'm hoping you're here today. I want to read that again. From, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You have all the potential in the world. 
The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And this is from God, who, who through Christ, through Jesus, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, but entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. And here's the part that I'm going, I agree with the scriptures. God, making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God took all sin, all of Jason's past, present, future sin, all of Ava's past, present, future sin, all of John, all of Carl, all of Grant, all of Joseph, all of our sin, all past, present, future, took it up off of Jesus, or off of us, and put it on to Jesus. Jesus lived this world perfectly, never sinning, so the world might be reconciled to God. And so he takes the sin off of mankind, and he places it on Jesus. God made him who knew no sin to be sin. He hangs on a cross. He's murdered. He takes the wrath of God on himself. Because forgiveness is powerful. He dies and three days later he rises again. Because God is also more powerful than death. And by conquering death through resurrection, he offers us life new creation, new life to live differently. Not live like the old, but live completely like a new. New person. So that's where this, this shifting works then in reverse so that in him we might, not guaranteed, that we might become the righteousness of God, that, that, that God would, would take my sin off of, off of me and put it onto Jesus, making the perfect symbol, although he wasn't symbol, it was put on him. That in him we might become the righteousness of God. That we might become perfect. That he takes Jesus' perfection. And in Christ, in him, we might become the righteousness of God. That it's through Jesus only. That belief in him makes me perfect. And I've done stupid things. And I still do stupid things. But God looks at me as perfect because he sees his son. If you're not part of the church or don't care to know anything about Jesus, I really don't care who you're going to bed with. I just want to tell you about Jesus and love you through the process. I don't get kudos up in heaven for having a straight church. I get kudos up in heaven when I, through love, direct everybody I come in contact with to Jesus Christ. So that's my prayer for you, is that today a message of hope, a message of forgiveness would silence the hypocrites. That you would find love in the arms of Jesus like I have. And he's come and he's radically changed me. Let me pray. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for a message of hope. I thank you for Jesus. Father, I pray today that your Holy Spirit would be working mightily. Father, forgive us. Forgive us of our hypocritical nature.
forgive us for representing you poorly. Father, if today you, you have convicted some of us in how we have acted poorly and how some would, would hate Christianity because of our own actions, Father, would you, would you strengthen and encourage us to go and ask for forgiveness? May we seek forgiveness and represent you in, in, in restoration through the process. Father, I beg that your Holy Spirit would be moving now. I beg that people that came in here saying, I'll, I'll give them one Sunday. I'll give Jesus one Sunday. But he doesn't know how I've been hurt. He doesn't know how I've been treated. Father, I pray that today there would be a message of hope that has been shared, that your Holy Spirit is working to silence the hypocrites. Father, I pray that they would say yes to you, the message of hope, the message of forgiveness. Not yes to any person, but yes to Jesus, the God of this universe. If you're in that place where now you're willing to say yes to to relationship with Jesus, would would you simply pray something along these lines? God, I accept your forgiveness. I've not been perfect. God, I want you. I say yes to you. I say yes to the relationship that is is only made possible through your son. Father, I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you for life. And today, I choose to accept it. I choose to take it. Father, I I, I, want to be part of your family, living as you want me to live, that I, I wouldn't live like some of the hypocrites that I've experienced. Father, in my, in my new life with you, help me to live with honor. Help me to live with integrity. Help me to live like you so other people want you. I say yes to it today, Jesus. I'm asking that you would keep your heads down and your eyes still closed. If that's a prayer that you said, would you slip up your hand so I can say something directly to you for a second? Has anybody said it yes to a prayer like that? I see. Thank you. I'm asking you guys to look at me for a second and, and please see an aisle host on your way out and grab a Bible, join Starting Point if you haven't already, and answer more questions. Go deeper in your relationship with God. We, in, in the first series, in the first sermon, we, someone was asking, start in the book of John. Read through the book of John and, and, start, and start digging into God and this gospel message of love. God, I thank you for people that have said yes to relationship with you. Father, this has been the most stressful, stinking weekend of ever. (laughs) Father, there's no heat upstairs. (laughs) But Father, thank you that we didn't cancel, that we stayed going. And Father, there is a party in heaven because people have said yes to relationship with you. So Father, we join in partying with the angels as we close out.